This is the More Than Fitness Podcast with Matt McLeod. like your shirt thank you this is uh this is my podcast uniform actually um it's you can you can ask all my followers they're very aware of my podcast uniform whenever i put it on i'm ready for a silly goose time i'm ready for some happiness i was gonna say are we in silly goose mode right now because i'm very excited if so (laughs) it's it's uh, it's constant it's like it's just it's an easy switch that you can turn on whenever you want and uh for these podcasts that is that is uh the norm so it's all good on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yes perfect perfect yeah yes. i can't wait awesome how have you been i've been really good yeah really um lots of stuff happening right now but like just in like a transitional phase with my business but in like a really really good way so it's it's all good yeah yeah oh don't don't worry i've uh i've, I've been following along and things and we'll we'll definitely we'll definitely get to that because that's a touch point that i want to to well um, if so you'll be one of the first people to talk to me about it on a podcast so Ooh. okay Lucky all right <laughs> good good first one i'm i'm always down with that the first take yeah um cool cool well yeah so um for the for the three people that don't know i'm having on amanda bucci um <laughs> and um she's uh she's she's somebody that is obviously very well established in the fitness industry, um, and then now she's she's doing all this great stuff with with coaching and, and spirituality, and um, uh, really just doing a lot of cool stuff. And I think one of the the main reasons I wanted to have you on was just because so me and Amanda actually, uh, well, I had the opportunity to get to meet Amanda in January whenever I went to New York to see John Romanello. I had the opportunity to get to meet you, Matt. Yes, yes, that's that's what my listeners need to hear. Uh, but um, but but yeah, no, it was. Uh, I think um, it was really cool because you see people online, and especially you know you've got almost like six hundred thousand followers, so it's really cool. And I was uh, you know, a little bit starstruck whenever whenever I first met you. And uh, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was just like you were just like a normal, genuine. Uh, kind person. I know, right? <laughs> crazy, crazy. But like that, that it's really so sad did... that that's surprising though. You know, it's a sad thing that that's like a shock to people. It's right. It It is a shock, but then it's also like, I, I knew how you were online and stuff. And that's exactly what I was hoping for. But like, it, if I hadn't known you, I feel like you wouldn't have had treated me any differently. You were just very, you know, you weren't, you weren't worried about your image or how like trying to prove yourself or prove yourself to be anything um, that you weren't. You were you were very humble. You were very kind to me. Um, and obviously from like where I'm from and stuff and obviously all over the U.S., that's that's really cool. Uh, um, so, yeah, thank you so much for, um, you know, uh, being being who you are and uh, treating treating others the way that you do. It means a lot. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that reflection. That was really kind. And I love getting to meet you. And I always like whenever I see people, I just view another human as another human and I'm not any better or worse. I just may have learned different lessons and they may have learned different lessons than I. And I feel like you and I just got to connect on like a fun human level. We like laughed. We had like a lot of the same kind of humor. And yes, that's the best. And it was, I really appreciated just that. So I'm really happy that we got to connect in the way that we did and how we get to do it now and how I get to be in front of your people. Yeah, exactly. It was, it really was. It was kind of like a silly goose time right off the bat. It was, it it was was cool. And see, that made, (laughs) see, that was cool because that made me a lot more comfortable too, because I was like, okay, like I can act a certain way around this. Like it's, it's cool. Like I won't get judged or anything like that because I am a a silly person. I just think it's, you know, who I've had that with. I, um, I, I like appreciate your perspective because I've had that multiple times with people who I really look up to and admire and two people in my life that have really made me feel like just an equal are Lori and Chris Harder. I don't know if you know who they yeah, are, yeah. but they're amazing. And they've always just made me feel like a friend. And I always have, um, like just to share with your listeners that maybe might make them feel a little bit like they can relax a minute. I always have a thing with my age because a lot of people in my industry are older than me, have been doing it longer than me and I'm 25 and everyone's like 30, 40, whatever. And right. I like I always have that kind of in the back of my head, like, oh, they've been doing it for longer and I'm new here and I'm young and blah, blah, blah. But they just make me feel like another person and like another soul and soul knows no age. It's just understands connection. And if you can connect on similar levels in various human ways, then that's the end of the story. Like you don't have to be on a pedestal or put someone up or put yourself down. And it's really just about like viewing people as equals. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm super curious. Um, so 
you you didn't you're in LA right now. You're living lavish in, in the LA lifestyle right now, right? <laughs> yeah. That's super cool. Uh, I am. Where where were you uh where did you grow up though? Rhode Island. So smallest state oh, in the country. People right. think it's a part of New York if they don't know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, Oh yeah, that place in New York. I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, <laughs> it's its own state. I know it's confusing. It's always like You've an acro- it's always like an acronym on the map. It's just R I and that's it. You can't even write out the entire thing because it's just got a line. Exactly. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I lived there until I was um, about 20, and then I moved to L.A. for summer of 2014, just for the summer, and I waitressed all summer, and I like had a bike and a shitty apartment, and it was the best, and yeah. I moved back to Rhode Island to finish school, and I saved up money waitressing during my senior year, and I started fitness coaching my senior year as well, right. and then I moved out officially on my own um, in summer of 2015. And I've been here ever since. So it's coming up on four years. You moved to LA and then you moved back to Rhode Island and then moved back to LA again. Yep. So it was like just the summer. And then I had to finish my senior year of college. Right. And then I saved up that whole year. So it seems as though it was spontaneous, but it certainly was not. (laughs) I understand. And it was nursing, right? Yep. Yeah. Nursing school. Cool. Yeah, that's what my uh, my sister actually is making a major change from nursing. She she wanted ah, to, she wanted to yeah. be a CRNA. She's a freshman here at, here at the University of Kentucky, and we just had a big heart to heart. So like I'm in I'm a re- whatever I'm a registered dietitian. My brother's a pharmacist. My mom is like a big director at our local hospital in my hometown. Wow. Um, so like we're very in the um health medical. health space and the medical space. And so obviously my mom was pumped for my sister or for my yeah for my sister to to want to be a CRNA and stuff. And and now we just had a big heart to heart with my parents about like hey she doesn't want to do this. She actually wants to go more. Um, uh, she wants to go more into like clothing and like style and branding and like she's very creative she she's just she's got swagger she's very cool it's just like nursing is not her she's very creative and stuff so like i think it's cool whenever people um have the guts especially so you were you were a senior and and you finished out nursing school but then you still or you finished out your your senior year and then still went to la yeah. Um, so I, I love that story about your sister. I think that's really cool. And I can I can relate in a sense because I grew up with my dad's a lawyer. My mom was a teacher, a biology teacher, and then she was also a dental hygienist. And it's just like nothing is wrong or bad about what you grow up around. But if you don't have a reference point for someone who's successful, that's a creative person, then you don't view yourself as being able to be successful as a creative person. So even I for like years was like, I'm just not creative. I don't have that part of my brain. It doesn't exist, which is Mm. a crazy way to think. But now all I do is creative work every single day. And I write and I like make videos and like, that's my whole life, which is crazy. But for me, it was um, the progression of events was nursing school, started fitness coaching kind of by accident because people were asking me because I was posting about my competitions on Instagram. Uh, halfway through senior year, I had a couple clients. I moved to LA, had every intention on being a nurse. I got an um, interning job at a surgical center and it was really boring. Yeah. It was just like ACL surgeries and all you did is paperwork. And I was like, this is terrible. And I was checking my client emails in the bathroom like luckily I didn't have like patients that have life life threatening things mm-hmm. and I wasn't like fully responsible but anyway yeah. um and as I was I started my YouTube channel the June of that summer I was doing fitness competitions July of that year I was like getting my first sponsorships I was making enough to pay rent in LA right away and it was like okay I'm doing okay <laughs> yeah. and and slowly but surely the passion to like study for my nursing exam which is a whole I'm sure you can understand. Yeah. It's just like a whole, you have to remember everything you've ever learned over four years and then some. Yeah. So taking the, the doing the practice questions was like, my body wouldn't let me do it. It was like, soul sucking. It was 11, it was 11 PM. And I was like, I should do a practice question. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it was terrible. So by the time, I mean, like I, and then also California took like four months to get me the papers back to tell me here is when you can take your exam. Like you're good to go. And that was just like twiddling my thumbs waiting around. And by the time I actually took it, I had already started a like mildly successful fitness coaching business and I was getting sponsorships and making YouTube videos and I took it, I crammed for it. I didn't pass it. And then I read the book called The One Thing by Gary Keller. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, fuck, I got to pick a one thing and nursing is not going to be it. So let me go into the darkness of this internet fitness thing that I didn't know anything about. I had like no reference points. I didn't know John Romanello. I didn't know like people who were doing this. I was just like, I think there's some people that do it. And I, 
I have to do this. Wow, that's so crazy. I think that's cool because that's actually something that I had down about like the one thing. Like I'm always curious what that that is like that makes people kind of come out of the matrix or whatever. So you were you were like, oh, like you were clearly about to have your own successful business or you were currently doing that. But you're like, oh, I still need to go and like take this exam and do all these things and stuff. And then you just read this book that kind of like gives you permission to do what you really want to do. You see what I'm saying? I think it's cool that it was just that book. And I'm curious. Yeah. Like, uh, so it was mainly the book or was this something that like you've had, you've been wanting to do. And then that was kind of the tipping point. Yeah. I love that question. I I, like find that so interesting as well. Like what's the thing that pushes somebody over the edge. And I think for me, that book pushed me over the edge. Mm-hmm. And it really is a lot about permission slips, like seeing other people doing what you want to do, or at least having a reference point. I think if there's no reference point, it's much more difficult to see the vision of this being something that could eventually work out. And I had followed a couple people on YouTube at that point. But when I started YouTube, I wasn't like an avid YouTube subscriber. And I watched all the videos and there was a few people that were really successful at YouTube in the fitness space, like Christian Guzman and people like that. And like a co- like one or two girls, yeah. like Nikki and Matt Ogus, probably. I don't, I didn't know Matt Ogus until after. Oh, really? So okay. like, yeah, like I still, I was, I was like really unaware of everything, but most people who were successful right. at it. Yeah. Um, and I, I did have reference points of people who were like making money as a fitness coach. And I hired my own fitness coach and he was really amazing. William Grazione, who's like a business partner of mine now. And I love him. And that was really helpful for me to see. So there was like the building of the reference points and like the permission slips of like other people do this. It's okay if I do this. I think I, and like my success was like, I was making like a couple grand a month, like three or four. And I was like, this is enough. Like I am very happy with this. Yes. And by the time that I got that book, it was just like the the straw right. that broke the camel's back. God, I love that. Yeah, because that makes a lot of sense to me too. Because I, I still, you know, like I still suffer sometimes with imposter syndrome and, and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm doing like I'm doing this full time and stuff. So like I'm doing okay for myself. But I think it does help whenever you, um, you're, you're kind of you're starting to get admired by people that that you look up to, and then also you're doing well for yourself. You're, you're, you're self sustaining yourself. Um, and that kind of builds confidence and builds that snowball of momentum for yourself. And you're like, okay, maybe I can do this. And then you're just like, still just kind of going, de- taking it day by day. And then, you know, uh, whatever time goes on and now you're, now you're here. Yeah. I mean, like, and I also have seen that process happen multiple times throughout my life where it's like, um, I've pivoted and I'm sure you have questions about this moving forward into the podcast, but I had one two years into my fitness thing. And, and like my journey, I mean, everyone's journey is different the way that it happens. So I think mine's just a way to teach some specific lessons, but everyone's journey is different. So I would encourage you to listen to mine, but put it into context with your own. So mine has been one of like, the, the pattern is very clear where it was like two years, like all fucking in with fitness, like learning everything, making videos, like my way of living life and whatever, sharing my gifts is to learn to be the student, but to like teach as I'm learning and document as the process is happening and show myself being the student to, and then show him, show myself becoming the master and then to like teach out of that. Yeah. Um, so like all in with fitness, teaching people what I was learning, showing people my experiences, documenting my process um, of like getting shredded, having to deal with the binge eating stuff, getting shredded again, but still not healing that part of myself, gaining 30 pounds on the internet, having to deal with criticism and turning to powerlifting. Yeah. And then utilizing that as like I, my bot, like here's what my body can do rather than what it just looks like. And then, you know, the whole cycle of that. And then I felt pretty solid with what I had done with fitness. And I was like, think I need to change again. Yeah. And it was like that whole process again with like the consumption, learning about business, diving in, getting mentors, hire, like joining a mastermind and the business thing. The last two years I've been crushing it and I got to a really great place and now it's happening again. (laughs) It's so weird. That's It's It's the same shit that's happened with me. Like it it literally like, cause I've just, that's kind of where uh, I mean, the name of this, well, I, I've had this, so more than fitness has been on my website since I started my website. And it was just kind of like something that I'd always had in my head. Cause it is like the fitness stuff is obviously there's so much more to it than just counting calories or training or, or whatever, but I've gone through these certain, like, um, yeah, I've gone through these certain, um, involvements essentially through my life. And 
everything that I did with fitness, as far as like being obsessed with learning about nutrition uh, and training and, and everything like that, like I did the same thing um, with business. And, and like, you just, you just sent me a little note. You're like, it's the hero's journey. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's so cool though. Yeah. Um, it's everyone gets to be on their own journey and it's like, it's cool to see the process almost like come to fruition in like a certain segment of your life. And then, I mean, like in, in life, what I've come to learn is that we each have something that we start with and go all in with, but we can't do everything all at once. Right. So we can't always do fitness, health, business, love, success, um, I don't know what else, like family, like we can't yeah. like go from zero to a hundred with everything. And in my mind, I view life as like, we have all of these pillars of life and we like go up on these ladders, but we can't be on every ladder all the time, but we can like crush it on one ladder and then realize this whole other ladder is like not done yet. Right. And you can go into doing that. And then there's just all these layers and like ups and downs. It's the hierarchy it's, of needs, really amazing. right? It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. And I feel like, and I, yeah, and I feel like you've, you've, you've covered, you know, most of the basis and now you're kind of entering, entering into this like cool, like the spiritual part, like the top part of it. And you're trying to, uh, what is it? Is it like actualize yourself is what, I don't even remember what the top one is, but it's something like yeah. that. You're just, you're, you're, you're trying to become, uh, the best version of yourself whenever all these other bases are covered. And it's been cool to see you kind of navigate your way through it. Because like you said, you document your journey the whole time. So you're thinking about this stuff, I feel like in your heads, and then you're also just putting it out to your followers. And they're like, oh yeah, I relate to that a lot. So like, exactly. you know, it's it's just, it's really cool to see. And, you, and your latest um, your latest Instagram post was something that I thought was super interesting. So now you are mm -hmm. currently taking a break um, from all the shoulds in your life. I thought that that was really cool because we always were kind of preconditioned to have all these things we're supposed to do in life or that we should do in life uh, every single day. And you're kind of branching, branching out from that. What like what kind of uh, sparked that for you? Yeah, uh, it's like been such a cool journey. And I think just like put it into context that the same kind of scenario of upgrading and shifting and feeling like the next thing is coming of the whole fitness story that I told you and then the business story. And then if you've ever experienced that, if you're listening in your own life where you feel like maybe even your sister is like, I was doing nursing and now I realize now that I've kind of been in it, I want to go do this other thing. And for me, this one's a little bit different because I have to still stay in integrity with like what um, I'm not just obligated to because now I have I have clients, I have a team, I have people that I pay and I have um, actual like responsibilities and they're not just obligations. Yeah. So it's it's a lot harder. It's almost like before I was on my own little like dungy or whatever speedboat or like a small little boat yeah. that it was just me and myself. Yeah. And I can like shift it super fast and I can like take a quick left turn and be like, okay, shifting. But now I have a ship. Mm -hmm. So shifting the ship is like, it. I have to like move the whole thing and it's a slower process. Yeah. But it's a good thing because it kind of requires me to not take action from a place of just some either fear or uncertainty or like, I feel this, let's go. It's like, I feel this, let's go. And we have to like do it in like a slow process. So that's why I took some space. And the only obligation that was a real, um, I guess, like a illusionary obligation was just posting on literally just Instagram and posting stories. Like my, I do have obligation to my clients and to my team and to my business. If I just dip off and like leave without explanation, that's really out of integrity. So there's like a line between honoring yourself and integrity, I believe. Mm, yeah. So there's, a, yeah, there's a whole thing. You've, you've mentioned, I, I listened, um, uh, it was one of, one of your other podcasts and you talk about how you're a big people pleaser. And I feel like that can get in the way lots of times. Obviously, like I, I feel like I'm this, I'm the exact same way and it's hard to, to say no to things or um, it, it's hard to just sometimes stick up for yourself whenever you know, like you need to be doing something, but then you know, you get opportunities and, and, and things like that. Like, how have you, uh, how, how have you managed that? How have you managed to say no to more things, even though they're, they're coming at you, uh, you know, from every angle? Yeah. So I think, um, that's such a good question. And I see that as two different things. So the first thing is that you and I are not people pleasers. And the first thing is to detach from that being a part of our identity. Mm. 
Yes. Right. So it's not that we are anxious or anxious people or people pleasing people or angry people. It's that the people pleasing or the anger or the anxiety is a symptom of something deeper. Mm, yeah. So I like that. it's a it's a body's what I've been learning from people like um, Dr. Joe Dispenza and Mastin Kip. I don't know if you've heard of either of yeah. them, but they do a lot of like neurobiological understanding of like emotional trauma. Mm. And what that is, is really anything that created a feeling of unsafety for you. So for me, there must have been at some point in my life, and I haven't pinpointed the exact moment yet, but there must have been some moment where I felt as though it was unsafe to stick up for myself or to do what I needed to do because someone else either got hurt or they got upset or I created the story and my body remembered it that I was a bad person if someone else was upset. Mm, yeah. And that's how, and then what happens there is the brain will then take that information, that set of information, not only the experience itself, but the emotions that you feel, and it will download it as a program. So when a similar scenario comes up, the body's efficient and it just gives you the same set of thoughts and emotions. So it's like, everything is so bad. Oh my God, I'm so scared of this. This feels so hard. I am feeling anxiety about this. Kind of like triggers. And it's just like, yeah, it's a trigger. So it triggers that response to come up biologically. And when that comes up, it's just, you're repeating the same exact pattern that you've been in. So the first step is awareness of that being a reality mm -hmm. of like, oh, I'm a people pleaser. This is my body's way of keeping myself safe. It's a survival mechanism. It's a fight or flight response that turns on. And it remembers when to turn on the fight or flight response based on the first time it felt as though it needed to. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes that makes tons of sense. And I think I feel like people can uh, even I hear that and I'm kind of like taken aback. I'm like, whoa, that's kind of a lot to take in and stuff. I'm like, that's that's it some is. heavy, <laughs> like some heavy shit right there. And then so like I'm curious yeah. to get like on a more practical level. What have you done on like a day to day basis that you found really helpful to help you, you know, like deal with these types of things? Yeah. So I hear you in that. It's um, a lot to take in. I remember actually seeing like Joe Dispenza and Mastin and like all the people that are t t teaching about mm -hmm. this. And I feel really called to eventually teach about this in the future as well. But I remember reading their stuff and it didn't like go into my head and I didn't process it. And I was like, what is this shit? Like, I don't, I don't know. And it was really hard to understand. And I've been in therapy for the last year and I've had a lot of like counselors and spiritual guides and friends that do a lot of this work. And I've slowly but surely have been understanding what this all really means. And essentially, um, it's like the surface level is what's happening on a mental level. So like, what are the thoughts that you're thinking? And a lot of people say, change your thoughts, change your experience. But it's really like, it goes deeper, like the emotion creates the thought. Mm. So it's really about finding what the emotional thing is and then healing that, which is a whole thing that is a lot to get into. And it's I'm learning it myself. I'm in spiritual psychology school, understanding what all of this means. So I'm, I'm totally a student here and yeah. I'm owning that. And I'm not an expert yet by any means, but I'm really also experientially learning. Like, so for example, on a practical day to day, where are you feeling stress or anxiety or emotional upset or anger or like questioning yourself or questioning your worth. Mm. And then what I've been doing is really trying to just dig deep and figure out like, where does this come yeah. from? Um, and, and like, what's, what's really happening here. And it's the awareness first and then to feel the feeling. Cause a lot of us just skip feeling it. We're like logically trying to work it out in our heads. Like, Oh, if I do this and then this, and then if I journal and then I meditate, I'll be fixed. And <laughs> yeah. that's like, that's like a nice little logical way of doing it. But right. we really have to feel those feelings and um, release like shame and judgment for even having them. I had a lot of judgment and I still do sometimes on myself for feeling what I'm feeling. Yeah. And I think that it, that like perpetuates anxiety and stress as well. Uh, I've talked about this uh, a few times actually with some people um, on this podcast and how it's kind of a luxury to think about these things because, you know, me and you right now, we're, 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 we're chilling, uh, you know, we're blessed to be able to sit here and talk on this podcast, whatever, for an hour, um, in a, in a comfy environment and stuff. But then there's other people 
you know, listening to this who are who are just trying to keep their head above water. They're trying to, totally. uh, you know, they're, they're trying to pay bills. They're trying to take care of their family. They're trying to do all these things. And it's just like, I don't have time to take care of all these, uh, this emotional trauma and stuff that's, that's, that's going on in my head um, and stuff. So I think, I think it is, it's, it's hard to do. And it's just figuring out um, the, those thoughts and things that you're having kind of going down the rabbit hole and accepting those. And like you said, becoming aware of all the shit that's going on in your life and why you may feel a certain way that you're feeling. Uh, yeah. I think it's cool. I like what you said. I live, I really, I want to like touch on what you said about like the privilege part of it. And I, I appreciate that perspective because like, number one, both of you, like you and I are both like white people yeah. and we're like well off and that's, we totally have to recognize that and put that on the table and say that. But I also believe that you and I need to be people that are having these conversations rather than just putting the onus on everyone who's um, underprivileged or minority group mm -hmm. to be the leaders of having those conversations. So I totally want to like put that on the table and respect that first. And I also want to talk about um, like long-term versus short-term. Mm -hmm. So short-term there's so much like data, like people living paycheck to paycheck, for example, short term, it feels like there's no time to do any of that long term work. But in reality, the best way to really heal for the last time is to do work from the inside out and not focus on I mean, we can't just not focus on the external stuff, but relying on external to give us an internal feeling, we have to do the internal feeling and actually like embody and feel like gratitude, mm -hmm. um, but not just gratitude. Like Brene Brown says that gratitude is the number one trait amongst all successful people. I just watched her Netflix I saw, I saw your story. Awesome. It looks cool. I love yeah. her. Like it's so good. Um, and so not only just that, but like relieving that you can actually have a different experience of life yeah. and believing that you're worthy of that. Mm. So from there, it's not just like a cute little belief that I believe that I'm worthy. It's like, because of that belief, your thoughts will change and then your actions will change. Mm, I like that. So instead of just trying to change the action of like, what do I need to do differently? It's like, I need to feel differently in order to then change the actions in a big way. Right. Sometimes the action is the feeling because some people haven't, like you said, they haven't became, a, became aware yet of why they're feeling the way that they're doing, why they're thinking the thoughts that they're thinking. So the action that they have to do is to kind of discover w like why they're thinking these things and then um, whatever, accepting them, going to see help if they need to, um, reaching out. What do you think, I'm curious, what has helped you the most as far as um, guiding you through this process um, and just becoming a better person as the years have gone on? Has it been books? Has it been podcasts? Have it been people that you've been surrounding yourself with, friends? Uh, what what would you say? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, honestly, I think it's it's definitely more life experience than anything because I think that like yes, I get to say all these things on this podcast now, but a lot of it I learn just over time, and um, I think everybody also gets the dignity of their process. So, like this podcast for you, if you're listening, might be planting the seed, but it's not going to be the end of your journey to understanding what it all really means, if that makes sense. Like logically, you can hear something and understand it and be like, that makes sense. I heard it on Matt's podcast with Amanda and I'm so interested. But when you really have experiential understanding of something, then you go from knowing to knowing. Mm, yeah. So I'm pointing to my head knowing and then I'm pointing to like my heart right. knowing. So for me, I've uh, it's definitely been interpersonal relationships. Mm. So friendships, um, romantic relationships and having like my triggers be brought up, having like those really terrible experiences of just the emotional pain yeah. and then figuring out how to work through that and how to be with that. Cause I think a lot of people end up like breaking up or losing friendships or whatever, because they don't know how to be with their own stuff. And it could have been really easy for me to like lose a lot of friendships and lose a lot of, um, relationships and it has also been in the past because I didn't have these tools or understanding and now that I have them and even like my relationship with John we're both really aware of our own triggers and our own emotional traumas and he's had his and I've had mine and they've been very different and like not one is better than the other um, or worse than the other I mean like his has been a lot different than mine and it's been like deeply traumatic and mine and um 
I mean, everyone has trauma, so it's not necessarily just like rape or abuse. Mm -hmm. And like, that's probably the deepest stuff. Right. There's Um, obviously levels, but everybody's trauma, like there's nothing more worthy or unworthy than, than anyone else. Everybody's got trauma that they're dealing with. Like one, like someone told me once that like a trauma could have been you being a baby in a crib and then your mom coming to get you and then your mom hearing the phone ring and then her leaving to go get the phone and that's you feeling rejected. So then you just keep the abandonment stuff because your mom left you when you were crying. Mm. And that's something that's like you might not even remember and it could be really small and it wasn't your mom's fault. And like she was doing the best with what she right. could. And it's so not your fault either. I think that. No, totally. Yeah. So I think it's just like becoming aware of what that stuff is. And then it's going to be brought up in your relationships more than anything. Yeah. It's going to be brought up with the people closest to you and their mirrors for you to like what like what's some, somebody bringing up in you right now? We can like give people real examples. I'm happy to like if you ask me what's going on with me or like I can even ask you what comes up for you and your interpersonal relationships that feels really hard yeah i mean i think the biggest thing at the the state that i'm in uh right now or the age that i'm at and you're the you're 25 right yeah yeah okay we're same age um i just i have uh uh all of all of my friends actually are people who are uh have been close to me my entire life i've it they've been like my friends since like elementary school basically um and i'm lucky enough to have them all still here and like, I've always worried about, because I've always been close with them. Like we all had a dinner last night actually to celebrate one of my buddy's birthdays. And like, I wanted, I, it's just, it's kind of scary to me as we get older, as people, you know, get families and different careers and stuff like moving away and like n- not being able to maintain those friendships, uh, as well as I want. So that's something that I've kind of, uh, uh, thought about myself, to be honest, yeah. Uh, I just want to make sure that those relationships stay strong uh, and, um, you know, I can just try to manage them the best that I possibly can. Yeah. So that sounds like you just want to make sure you trust yourself to ma- to keep those relationships close. And then yeah, is there any like, and if I don't, this is how they're going to think about me or this is how I'm going to think about myself. Is there any of like, what's the... Yeah, it's just, it's kind of just like, I I care about them. I do care about them. But then if they move away, like I've got to make sure that I take the responsibility onto myself to make sure I keep those connections strong because things are going to come up. People get busy uh, and stuff like that. And I just got to make sure that um, I'm putting in the effort to to reach out to them because I can be very much uh, I am an extrovert. I feel like by heart, but I can also be very introverted. I feel like everybody says that. Um, but like yeah. I, yeah. I feel like I can. um be fine just on my own. I can just do my own thing and then not uh, think about other people enough to be 100% honest. Um, so I want to make sure that I do uh, manage those relationships as time goes on, uh, spend time with people and, and all that kind of stuff. Totally. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so something that comes up for me that I'm like been working with in my friendships is a feeling of sometimes um, unworthiness a little bit to like be in the group that I'm in because I'm friends with like really amazing people. And I'm like, how Mm. did I fucking get here sometimes? Mm -hmm. And the lesson that I get to learn in that is what I'm realizing is that I have to own my gifts and own my power and trust myself. And like the judgment that I feel towards myself, what, um, kind of comes up in like being quiet or shrinking and not really saying things at the dinner table. I'll just let everybody else talk. And like, I thought mm. for a while that that was just me being introverted. And that's just not how I am, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. It's not not how I am. It's how I'm protecting myself because I'm scared that I'll say something wrong or like someone's going to have more experience than me or whatever. Uh, and yeah. that's me not trusting myself and not owning who I am. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, that's a good point. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Like, especially whenever you're around people, like being in New York, for an example, being around uh, you guys and John. And um, I went out to eat with with John and uh, Chris and and uh, his wife. And I was just like, you know, I I just wanted to make sure that I didn't say anything stupid or, you know, uh, you try and you try and be yourself, but also like not look like an idiot. And and like you said, like it's it's tough sometimes to make sure that, uh, you know, you do trust yourself enough to, to to speak out. And honestly, I think most of the time people aren't judging as hard as you think they are. You know, no, it's just kind you're of judging in our own yourself. Ima- right. Yeah. 
And so I'm curious as your um, as your life has gone on, and I'm sure you've had friends and things. And whenever you moved uh, and stuff like that, how have you managed your re- relationships throughout uh, throughout this time and and getting new friends and possibly breaking off some old friendships mm-hmm. um, and everything in between? Yeah, totally. And I think um, this answer specifically might be part of why I have judgment on myself when it comes to friendships and it's all good. And it's um, just something that, again, it's always going to be something you have to give back to yourself. So if you're feeling like other people are judging you, you're probably judging yourself and you have to give yourself the gift of owning who you are um, Mm -hmm. and like letting it all be okay. So for me, um, I don't have many friends that have stayed with throughout college high school, like my oldest friend is my sister's boyfriend who I knew my freshman year. Mm-hmm. I have a twin sister who I've been like obviously friends with my whole life. After, <laughs> yeah. after five minutes of me being born, she then became my best friend, um, which, <laughs> yeah, <perfect. laughs> which perfect. is great. Um, and then in terms of like friends from high school and stuff, I haven't really kept much in touch. And I also have had plenty of friends that I've um, just released over time and they've released me as well. And I think that it's all good. And it's just like your path has been keeping a lot of your friendships and mine hasn't for some reason or another. And it's all good to figure out that. But I think for me, um, in terms of like the way that I relate to friendships now, I actually have one really incredible friend named Ashley. And she's taught me so much about friendship that I didn't really, um, I guess, get or understand before. And it's not that I haven't really been a good friend. It's just that I've chosen other things over friendship over time and like it was my business and it was just like my own journey and my time alone and I really love my alone time and I don't know there's just been plenty of experiences that I've had where I think friends come into your life for a lifetime a season or a reason yeah I like it and if they're there for a reason it's okay to let them go and if if it's not always just you letting them go too it's like that also might be best for them and then for a season, it could be for like a time period in your life. And I've had plenty of friends that I've had and met through my fitness journey that I don't keep as close in touch with now, but I'm still friends with. And then in terms of high school and college and everything, that was just for a season of my life as well. So I think the friendships that I'm really building now are going to be more in terms of the lifetime part of me. Um, But yeah, that's just been my experience of friendships. And I'm good with it. And I'm learning a lot from it right now. Yeah, of course. And like you like you've you you said earlier, like you have changed the course, um, of what you've done, you know, you, you, whatever you went to fitness and then you went to, um, this business and now you're doing more, uh, of the spiritual stuff. And I know along the way you, you've dealt with a lot of criticism and whatever, quote unquote haters, uh, and people (laughs) that have been negative. Uh, I'm curious, could you speak to that and kind of just, uh, how, how did you deal with all that negativity and trying to, um, you know, kind of block, all that from from really uh, being absorbed by your psyche for for a better yeah uh, for lack of a better word yeah uh, um it's 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 yeah it's been quite a journey I think that initially I had no idea how to deal with it um, for a while as I was building my platform I got a lot of positive validation mm-hmm. and the minute that I got some negative feedback or feedback that I perceived to be negative I was it was so painful and so hurtful and a lot of the things were like directly at the core of my being like you're not good enough for this and all of my triggers of my own emotional stuff that I was like my lack of worthiness my imposter syndrome my perfectionism whatever it happened to be everybody was like directing at me and I've made a lot of changes as to how I've dealt with it over the years and initially it was like trying to get them on my side and engage with them and like have a conversation and like help them understand me. And that was just spent me spending so much energy back and forth. And it was just, we weren't, we were like two ships in the night, like missing each other, you know? Yeah. And then, then for a little while I had resentment. So I was angry and I was like, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like then resentment started building and I was like, this is the worst. Like people are just terrible. And then over time I've really come to this like truly peaceful, like Zen, masterful place with it where I just really see all of their own hurt and Mm. their own pain and their own triggers and like what's coming up for them when I say something and what's um, pushing against their belief system and triggering their own emotional response. And I just really see like 
hurt and pain and I love them. And I, and I also think that I'm trying and I'm coming into a place of understanding that I can love people and myself unconditionally, but that doesn't mean that I give them my energy and attention unconditionally. Yeah. Right. It, It means that I can send you love and I am not letting it penetrate me. Mm -hmm. And I understand. And I also think that it's like that lesson for me has been such a beautiful way to teach others how to deal with criticism as well, because you truly have to find a place inside of yourself that is inherently worthy, that knows that they're good at what they do, that knows they're not dumb, and that doesn't let somebody else's opinion penetrate you and and change that. Mm -hmm. Because if you know that at a deep level, and you don't just like know it based on somebody else telling you, oh, this is so helpful. And like, if you put out a video, let's just say, and and people say, this is so helpful, that shouldn't be your reference point for if it's actually helpful or if Mm. you're good at it. It should be like, I'm good at this and I know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be helpful if if nobody comments Yeah, or if everybody bad, like, and I also think that it's a good mirror if you're getting constructive criticism, which you can need to decipher between is this constructive or is this person just really hurt and they're projecting a ton and projecting is like, for example... I had a girl come up to me at an event a couple of weeks ago and she um, just was really beautiful in her vulnerability and said, I followed you in fitness. And when you started talking about the business stuff, I got really triggered and I unfollowed you. And what I now realize is that you owning your worthiness and your power made me feel really insecure. And I was like, damn, that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And she's like, now I get it. And I'm like following you again. And I love you. And I appreciate you. So you never really know what's going on on the other side of the of the screen there. So I think the lesson is really to not let positive or negative validation affect you. Like you are not, you are not worthy based on an external response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Bre- and Brene Brown also talked about this on her Netflix special the other day that like, if they're not in the arena getting their ass whooped, then they're not, their opinions are not valid. Like if yeah. you're not in the game, you have no reason to talk about my work yeah. or what I'm doing. You have to also be in the game, failing forward, being brave, putting yourself out there, getting yourself hated on, getting your, your shit kicked around. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't have those experiences yourself, then you have no reason. I have no reason to, put your opinion up on a pedestal. Yeah. You know who does a really good... Uh, there's two people that actually come to mind who do a really good job with this, and that's Aubrey Marcus and Gary Vee. I feel totally. like they bo- they both do such a good job at like dealing whatever with haters and just like, you know, like Aubrey, Aubrey's obviously much more... Um, uh, let me let's flowery, I guess you could say. He's just like he's just like yeah. uh, I, I'm just like I love you, man. Like it's cool. Like I, I'm sorry you feel that way. I love you. Like hope you have a great day. Uh, and then Gary's just like Gary. Gary's just like uh, I hope you all the best or or whatever. Like in their comments, like not they're they're invincible. Yeah. And I think that's very admirable qualities in people. Yes. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. But it means that they just are really clear in their own selves of who they are, what the work they're meant to do in the world is, what their message is. And I feel like sometimes as you're building out what your message is, and like, I remember for me in the beginning, I wasn't clear. Like, I like there was like a lot of me that questioned myself because I was still a student, you know, like I was still learning. And I felt pretty clear about what I was saying, but I wasn't yet an expert or I did not consider myself yet an expert. And I think that there's a big misconception that you should like pretend that you're an expert and consider yourself one when you're not. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think that there's a state of being that you're in to, to still be confident in what you're saying. But I think that more people need to call out the fact that they're a student of life and they're still learning. And I've had this in this experience to really actually understand what this means. And I feel comfortable sharing. And here's who I learned it from. And Mm. here's like where I'm learning it. And I think people feel as though they have to pretend that they came up with the idea or that they're an expert and that they know everything in order for people to respect them. Mm -hmm. And there's like this feeling of like, if I tell people where I'm learning this from, I'm not going to be considered an expert, but that's really not true. Like I constantly credited my mentors and the people that I learned from, and I'm still doing that as much as I possibly can. Whenever I learn something from somebody and I'm like, I just got this major insight. And now I am, I think people also have to try it on for themselves to really figure out what they're meant to do. 
And I tried on a bunch of other people's shit for myself in the beginning. And I'm still, you know, figuring out even with the offers that I'm putting out there. I remember my mentor, Lewis House, I was in his mastermind for a while and he had this membership. And I was like, that sounds like a good idea. Let me do that. And I realized mm-hmm. I hated it. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I just have to try it on. Like I wouldn't, if you told me not to do it before I did it, I wouldn't have said yes. Cause I wouldn't have really known what it was like. Right. So I think in that growth period, when you're like really coming into yourself and really coming into your expertise and your coaching abilities and whatever it is that you're doing, it's totally okay to like try other people's shit on and just don't plagiarize. Yeah. Like, right. Credit people mm-hmm. and tell people that you're a student but you can still be a student and be teaching and be and like I've documented my whole journey and I've been a student the whole time and I've never made it out. And there have been moments for sure when I've um, almost felt as though I had to prove myself. So that's when I came off preachy mm. and people reflected that back to me because yeah. I was like, I have to prove myself. I know this shit. And I was like still learning, mm-hmm. which is which is fine. And I and, and I got the reflection back that people told me that I sounded preachy and, I, yeah. and now I see it. And that's okay, but that's that's a lesson you have to learn as you're growing. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I feel like, yeah, it's the it's the it's essentially just ego, right? Like they they, they feel like they need to um, put up this front. They need to act like they know what they're talking about. Whenever actuality, the people who usually know the most uh, about the stuff, like they're the most humble ones. Like they're the ones who are most willing and most excited. Like you're so excited to help out other coaches and other people, and like sharing the um the the all the new stuff that you're learning about uh spirituality and 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 things like that like i i can tell you're excited um by the 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 content that you put out because you're just you're learning it yourself and you're like hey i think everyone else uh could or at least just one person Mm -hmm. you know could benefit from this Mm -hmm. as well yeah absolutely i hear you on that and i feel like the one person thing like i just want to dispel all these myths too because i feel like the if it just helps one person thing is useful. But I also feel like if you're called to help a lot of people, like, I don't think I have a big audience by accident. Mm. Like, I think in my head, I was like, I kind of built that by accident. I didn't have like the tools and the tricks and the growth hacks, but I was seeing what other people were doing. And I, it just kind of happened. And like, looking back, I'm like, that wasn't an accident. I don't have a big audience by accident. Like, yes, if it helps one person that can make a dent in the world. But I also think it's okay to desire a big audience and desire a big platform, because you actually feel as though you have a bigger purpose to serve and you need to hit a lot of people to do it. So I think that yes, one people, one person and it's totally okay to desire a big audience if you feel called to like spread a big message and eventually lead a movement. Like, yeah, how else can you do that? (laughs) Right. That's very true. I love that. Actually. I hadn't, I hadn't, um, it's funny. I, it's, I, I always think of it like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to help this, this one person. But yeah, if you, um, if you truly have something to, to put out there to people, like put it out. And I've, I've talked to people about this too. Like whenever I first started putting out content on Instagram and, uh, things like that, like I was super, uh, worried that like, you know, people weren't going to like it and some people were making comments or, or, or whatever. But then as it gains traction, you gain a few more people. Um, and it's just, it's a really good feeling whenever you didn't really feel like you had the permission to do something like that. But then you re- do realize like people, people really do benefit from it. Yeah. And it's just a, it's a really good feeling. And I feel like you've obviously done that with, with thousands of people. And yeah, so the following that you've gained, it's been a hundred percent earned and, and you're still earning it every single day. I think that's important too. It's not yeah, just like, I agree. it's just all those people, they just stuck around. Like you've had to continuously put out quality stuff over time and you've done that. And I just want to, uh, you know, say you've done such a, such a great job with that. Yeah. Thank you. And I think, um, I like what you said just about permission to feel like that's okay to, Mm -hmm. to want a big following. But I also feel like it's also really permission and it has been really permissionary for me. That's not a word. It's been a permission slip for me to, whatever. Someone said it once and she was like, I'm a permissionary. And I was like, I don't think that's the word, but that's a good word. (laughs) It is now. Um, Hey, and it it gives me permission to, um, like I, it's really impossible to respond back to every message to get on everybody's podcast and to do everything everybody asks of me all the time. Mm -hmm. But I have a bigger mission and a bigger message to send. And sometimes like, yes, I can work with people one-on-one, but sometimes I feel like I have a lot to say and I feel like a lot of, a lot of people need to hear it. And sometimes the biggest platforms and the biggest opportunities 
And the like best way that I can do that is to create courses and have people buy them to create events and experiences and programs and deliver in like a bigger way. And then also create free content on podcasts and Instagram and YouTube and emails and like do it that way rather than just always having one-on-one conversations and, and like lowering my prices to make sure everybody who can't afford it Mm. can do it because I feel like I need to help everybody. And I think my way of helping everybody is to continue to level up my experience, level up my free content, level up the paid content and like fully be okay that I can't have a one-on-one intimate conversation with everybody, but knowing and trusting that my free messages that I'm putting out there are like penetrating people in a way that they, and I I get those messages all the time. Like, thank you for being you. You're really just the way that you show up changes me and like letting that be okay too. When you feel like you have so many messages and people to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think, I think that that's a a good, a good button on this whole thing. And I just want to thank you for being you, Amanda. And thank you so much for, for coming on the show because I know um, you're super busy and uh, to sit here and, and talk to me for 52 minutes while I'm in my closet. It really... It, You're it, in the closet. That's this, great. It, whenever I first Silly started it... Time. Yes. Whenever I first started, I, <laughs> calls, I called it the Closet Fitness Podcast. <laughs> uh, That's funny. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Honestly, yeah. Matt, like you, uh, me coming on your podcast, not to like, it's not an egoic thing that I can't do everybody's podcast. Like it's just truly a thing. And I do things based on how I feel about the person that's asking me to do them. And me coming on here is really just a reflection of you and like how the connection that we got to have together and the way that you just treated me like a person and the way that we got to have silly goose time. Like literally, that's why I came on your podcast. And I'm like appreciative of who you are as a person. And I just want to just let you know that it's really a reflection of you. So amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. That that means a ton. Um, <laughs> real quick, go ahead and... Uh, do uh so i know you have some some programs and some events and all this amazing stuff so go ahead and do all your plugs cool thank you um so follow me at amanda bucci if you don't already that's where i talk about everything um i have a beginner fitness uh sorry a beginner business program for people who are just getting started in their business called the flourish and conquer accelerator and then if you are not new to business i have both a mastermind and then a mid-level coaching membership program which is awesome um i have online courses. And I also have a fitness coach certification program with my business partner. If you need to know all of the nutritional fitness programming information and really learn how to actually coach a client, fitnessonlinecoachingacademy.com. So there's that. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Um, all right. I think I think that's uh, that's just about it. Again, thank you so much for coming on and I hope we can uh, do it again sometime soon. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. And thank you guys for listening. For sure. Bye.